This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Let's pray. Jesus, your name is above all names. Tonight, we kneel before your cross in shock, in awe, seeing your love pour down for us. Jesus, as we gather here tonight, pour out your love on us and lead us to see that because of you, we are set free. In your powerful and saving name, we ask this. Amen. What's your happy place? I know someone here, I'll, I'll just call her Jackie. Um, her, her happy place is like white sandy beaches and an ocean breeze. I, I know for some of you, your, your happy place is the mountains with soaring green trees and maybe a, a brook or a creek running through there. As when, when the world was created, it was created in shalom. And, and what that means is that when God had finished creating the world, there was, there was shalom, there was peace, there was tranquility, there was security, there was health, there was prosperity, there was wholeness, there was well-being, there was contentment, it was completeness, there was life and love. All that was illustrated by God walking with Adam and Eve in the garden in the cool of the day. It was their happy place. It was the happy place for Adam and for Eve and for God. We don't know exactly what that was like, but it was oneness with God. It was an amazing, amazing relationship. And then there was sin. And sin shattered the shalom. It shattered the peace, the tranquility, the security the health, the prosperity, the wholeness, the wellness, the contentment, the completeness, 
life, and love. The happy place is God. Remember your happy place? What if your happy place was those white sandy beaches because of sin and the shattering of that shalom? The white sandy beach is, is now filled with thorns. Wherever you go, whatever step you take, there's thorns or glass. If your happy place is the mountains, those big, beautiful green trees have been burned by a forest fire. There's no water in the brook. It's God. Because of sin, and you know this, because of sin, shalom is gone. And in this place is, is blame and shame and anger and animosity and anxiety and backbiting and cursing and swearing and, and coveting and cover-ups, deceit and evil and fraud, guilt and jealousy and lying and lust and lack of trust and pride. And, and you name it, you, you know about it. You know about it because of sin. There is death to the oneness of our relationships with others and with God. On this Good Friday, I'm gonna ask you to take 30 seconds and I'll do the same. Take 30 seconds and just think about how your sin has destroyed relationships. Relationships with others and with God. 30 seconds. Due to sin, the amazing shalom, oneness relationship with God is broken, shattered, non-existent, dead. On this Good Friday, I, I want to take us back into history so that we can see how his story, Jesus' story, actually does connect with our story. And in a way that only God could do, then restore our relationship 
with God. Oneness with God. And so let's go back. Back thousands of years ago into the worship setting for the Old Testament people, Israel. There were the the temple grounds and in the temple grounds was the most holy place. That's where God dwelled. That was the heart of worship. Now understand those, those temple grounds, they were constructed on purpose with the understanding that there were boundaries and separation between people and other people and between all people and God. So there was the most holy place. That's where God dwelt, the heart of worship. But, but when you entered the temple grounds, that was called the court of the Gentiles. They could only go so far. There was a difference. There was a break in the relationship with them and others. They could only go so far. Then after that, there was the court of women. It could only go so far. Then you had the men and, and you had the, the holy place where the priests could go. And then you had the most holy place again, where God dwelled. You, you know who could go where God dwelled? No one. Except for the high priest And the high priest could go into that most holy place only one time a year on the great day of atonement. That most holy place was separated from the holy place and all the other places in the temple ground and all the other places in the whole world by what was the temple curtain. The temple curtain It's about 60 feet tall, about three times the size of this curtain, three times this high. It was about 30 feet across, and that's about the same size as this one. This curtain is about an eighth of an inch thick. Historians tell us that that temple curtain was four inches thick. The temple curtain wasn't black, it was purple. Designating divinity and royalty, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And and understanding it purple color back then, it was super, super expensive. It was priceless. That temple curtain made it abundantly clear and obvious that there was a separation between God and people. That temple curtain showed really, really clearly, everybody understood it, that people were not worthy to be in the presence of God. 
And not only were people not worthy to be in the presence of God, they weren't allowed to be in the presence of God. Historians tell us that the high priest, before he would go into that most holy place, would tie a rope around himself, or either around his waist or maybe his ankle, in case he died, so that they could pull him out. Because again, you could not go in there, you would die immediately. What did the high priest do when he was in that most holy place? Well, he had two goats with him. One goat, was going to be sacrificed by him. It was going to lose its life. That was to appease God's wrath for the sin of the people. The second goat, the holy or the most the high priest would would place his hands on the head of that goat symbolizing the transfer of all the sins of the Israelites, all the sins of the people onto that goat. And then it would be led out into the wilderness and be let go. And it it was called the scapegoat. The whole idea behind all of this is that the wages of sin is death. That goat died. And that one day, sins would be taken away. See, that really does bring us to today and Good Friday. It tells us how our relationship with God is restored. See, that that Friday was an unusual Friday. It was a Passover Friday, one time a year. In the Passover, people were out shopping, baking, cleaning, all of that. But it was an unusual Passover Friday. Some people were being led out of town to be crucified. In that group was an innocent one. He didn't deserve to die. He he actually was innocent again. He did nothing wrong ever. And yet he had already been beaten and whipped and was bloody and his skin and his flesh were all over the place as he tried in vain to carry his own cross. It was a different Passover Friday. It was a different Friday. In fact, it was different from 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It became dark. Darkness was over the face of the entire land. And this is what Scripture tells us happened on the cross and at the temple at that time. 
Matthew 27 says, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of those standing there heard this. They said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on his staff, and and offered it up to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now, leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out, again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Jesus cried out in a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why is there not shalom with me and you? Why is the oneness of our relationship broken? Why is that relationship dead? This was when Jesus was suffering hell itself. A little later, Jesus, mustering up what strength he had, with the nerves in his body just pounding, with blood already dried and running out, said, it is finished. And people stood and watched. sucking in as much air as he could. Said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And life left him. He died. And at that very second, that temple curtain, 60 feet tall, four inches thick, 
ripped from top to bottom. It must have been a thunderous sound. As something four inches thick ripped through 60 feet. Just think about it like if you've ever been around someone or it happened to you, you bend over and your pants rip. <laughs> you know, that's like an eighth of an inch thick and like six inches long is four inches thick, 60 feet long. It must have reverberated. over and over again. Who is that strong? Who is that powerful to rip four inches of cloth from 60 feet up? Can be no one, could come through no one, but the hand and the power of God. You see, when that that temple curtain was torn, it showed us that the temple system, that the sacrificial system was gone. It was obsolete. No longer do we need the temple, the priests, the sacrifices. Jesus has made that old covenant completely irrelevant. Hebrews 9 says, For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Remember the boundaries that were constructed into the temple system? They're gone. They're obsolete. No need for a court of the Gentiles because Jesus came for everyone from every nation, tribe, people, and language. It's gone. It's ripped apart. The court of women? It's gone. It's moved. It's obsolete. Because in Jesus, there's neither male nor female, slave or free, Jew or Gentile. We're all heirs of Christ. No longer need the priests or the high priest. Because through Christ, believers are a priesthood. When Jesus was walking on the face of the earth, he was continually removing boundaries, continually removing separation zones and welcoming all to him. That temple curtain being torn in two shows us we have access 
right to God. Hebrews 10 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, we can go into that holy place. We just couldn't, right? Now we can. Why? Through the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. The temple curtain is torn in two, symbolizing that the separation between God and people is no longer there. Open Access. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was the fulfillment and the completion of that great day of atonement. Remember, there was the one goat that was going to be sacrificed, that was going to die. Jesus died. To appease God, because the wages of sin is death. Romans 5 says, since we've now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Remember the second goat? The high priest put his hands on the second goat's head, and and, and then the, the idea there was that the sins were transferred over to the goat. On the cross, it wasn't a symbol. Jesus took all of our sins away. Not for a year, but for an eternity. Isaiah 53 says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus is a mediator of a new covenant. There's no longer need for any more sacrifices. Jesus was sacrificed once and for all. Sin, death, and Satan no longer, none of that, not even that, not even sin, death, or Satan, none of that can keep us now from God. Because God made a way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him, and everyone is welcome to the Father through him. 1 John 2, 2 says of Jesus, he is the atoning, that means oneness at one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So here's what all that means for you and me in our day-to-day life. In our day-to-day life, there is nothing blocking us from God. There's no boundary, there's no separation. 
What that means for us in our day-to-day lives is we can just let go of our sin. Even, even the ones we're holding on tight, we let go of them because Jesus made those things obsolete. We can even let go of our, our pride because it costs a whole lot more than our self-righteousness to take our sins away. And Jesus paid that price in full. That's what it meant when he said it is finished. The Greek there is paid for in full. The work of salvation is complete. So what's it mean for our day-to-day lives? This is what will make a difference in our day-to-day lives. And everybody will see it. Quit living like the curtain's up. It's torn. Since the curtain is down, since it's ripped, your relationship with God is restored. And because your relationship with God is restored, then you can have relationship with your neighbor without cause or judgment, without trying to figure out, do they deserve it or not? You can just love your neighbor. Because the curtain is torn and you have access to God, you can just lean in on God with all your heart, bring him all your worries, all your cares, all your anxieties, just cast these things on me. And we can trust him to take care of all those things. Because that temple curtain is torn in two, you and I can lean fully onto God. You ever see those team building exercises where like the person is supposed to fall back and the teammates are supposed to catch them. We can just fall back. We can just fall forward. We can just fall. We just lean in on God. For he who did not spare his son, how will he not also along with him Graciously give us all things. You're in good hands. God gets you. Because he gets you, we get him. And the shalom that he brings the peace, the tranquility, the security, the health, the prosperity, the wholeness, the completeness, the well-being, the life, the love. See, when Jesus died on the cross, he, he died on the cross the same way that he lived with his arms open wide to you and for you to restore 
your relationship with God. So that there is a oneness with you and him. And while we may be confused on why we call it Good Friday, God's not confused on why he calls it Good Friday. Because our oneness relationship is restored with him. Let's pray. God, you're so good. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were running away, you were running too. When we couldn't figure it out, you made a way. So good. We thank you for the joy set before you that you endured the cross, scorning its shame so that you could bring us home so that our victory can start now. Thank you, Jesus, for all you did and who you are for restoring us back to you and the Father and the Holy Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.